Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about in everything investing real estate, and today I have a special guest lined up to talk about risk, strategy, and cash flow in London property. My name is Peter Leung, and I'm a global real estate investor. I own, invest, and develop properties all around the world. You've probably seen me on videos or on Instagram, working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business and angel investor as well. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at I am Peter Leung. It is also on Facebook and other social media where I share ideas, videos, inspirations as I journey to intergenerational wealth. If you've got any questions, please email us at podcast at IamPeterLeung.com. And if you have any deals, send us deals at IamPeterLeung.com. So it is my honor, my pleasure to introduce a very good friend, a guy that I tremendously respect a very serial entrepreneur and very left brain in my opinion, but very, like very heartwarming. And I want to introduce Mr. Aaron Kwok. So Aaron, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us on the Investorpreneur podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Peter. It's my pleasure. Now you, you're, you're, you're one of the guys that I really wanted here because you've worked with large organizations. As a matter of fact, you uh, have just, in the in the midst of that transition i mean you're now uh you know a new father as well just like i mm -hmm. and you've made some big decisions i mean that in itself comes with a lot of risk so now you're now full-time real estate entrepreneur and investor mm -hmm. um congratulations thank you and that's why i really want to pick your brain as to you know your experience your knowledge working with property and working with risk and also in the london market so aaron yeah. can you tell us about you and your background. Sure, I'm a property investor and host of Square Mile Property Meet in central London. And my background is really the investment and risk. Um, I spent six years um, working with an investment consultancy in, the, in, in London. We specialize in uh, invest, uh, providing investment advice to large pension funds and insurance company. So over the past decade or so, I have been dedicated my life to study and learn and and actually work in this risk and investment space because i study actuarial science degree and a master's as well so it's kind of like the most complex mathematics financial mathematics you can think of so basically that that's basically what i'm studying and yeah that's it i mean like uh, recently i made the transition of um working in the city and and, and become a full-time property investor and entrepreneur so I'm, I'm really excited to it no, that is amazing. So, I mean, your, your background is all around math and everything else like that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, you, you want the, the lowest risk for the highest return, right? For like every mm -hmm. investor in the world. I mean, sure. specifically working with hedge funds, uh, you know, in, in big money, they're mm -hmm. always evaluating risk and return. So, sure. can you introduce to us, a lot of us here are all over the world. I mean, you've got Australia, you've got Canada, you've got US listening to this podcast as well mm -hmm. as your fellow you know, um, people in the UK. Can you tell us about a little bit about your strategy and your investment philosophy investing in the UK? Sure. Um, um, yeah, before I jump into risk, um, I'd like to talk about more about my, my personal business and my business investment strategy in the UK. So our, our core strategy is um, we specialize in house in multiple occupancy. So what, is, what it means is that we, we take a rundown uh, undesirable house and then we do the refurb and renovate them into a high quality 
we call it HMO. So it's basically split into rooms and then you rent out for, to tenants. So the idea is that if you think about a cake, if you're selling a cake, you can sell for let's say $10. But if you split into 10 pieces, you can probably sell it at more than $1 per piece. So, so the idea is that by doing this, you increase the value of the property. At the same time, you increase the rent, total rental as well. So you're increasing the yield. So it's like using the same house, um, you, you basically easily, you can double or triple the rent uh, in the UK. So that, that's our core strategies. We like it very much because it's high yield and it's very safe. And, and everyone would need a, a room in terms of the transition before they, they're having a house. Um, so that's what's happening in the UK. So our secondary strategy is flip. So we can basically buy a property and do it up and sell it to first time buyer or investor. Right. So here's the thing. I mean, a, a couple of things. I know a lot of people have asked me, um, you know, whether it's my investors or just podcast listeners or even on Facebook, you know, this mm -hmm. HMO thing um, sure. for especially people in Hong Kong. Is uh -huh. this legal? <laughs> it, 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 it is legal. It is legal. It, it happens maybe not everywhere in the world. Like US is maybe as, not as popular because you, in the UK you have a uh, very dense kind of a population in, 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 in the city. That's why HMO works. Right. And it, it always been a legal thing. Like people has been doing it for decades and decades. What is different is that the regulation and, and, uh, and uh, basically the uh, regulation from, from the government has changed. So in the past, they, 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 they do not have like minimum room size might not have the fire safety regulations. So that, that is actually happening in what well, we're from Malaysia. There's no regulation around. There's no minimum room size. There's no, no fire safety um, requirement. So that was the time many, many years ago that was in the UK. But when the market evolved, because of um, uh, the government to give more protections to the, to the tenants, that's why there, there's more and more regulations in place. So it is, it is legal. Um, but at the moment, if, if you do it wrongly, it's illegal. Basically, if you operate under the minimum room size, there's not enough um, smoke alarm, fire, safe, fire safety, like fire, uh, fire doors in place. It is kind of illegal in the UK. Right. So <laughs> how did you get into this? Like, I mean, like, seriously, I mean, you're from Malaysia, uh -huh. you, you work in the UK. I mean, how did, I mean, working with big money, all of a sudden, why? Why into building your own real estate portfolio? Like how, how did this all come about in terms of HMO anyways? That, that, that's very, very good question. I mean, well, long story short, um, I'm from Malaysia and um, I, we have a family business in, in Malaysia. We, we import fruits and supply to local markets. And I always, in my heart, I always wanted to start my own business. And, and this is always at the back of my mind. I want to be an investor, I want to be a business owner, but it's just not happening yet. So I go through the traditional routes of um, most people, um, go to school, go to uni, I got a master's degree, got a good, uh, get into a good job. I work in the city for six years now. Um, and, and I just thought that it is time, it's it is time to, to make decision to, to run my own business. So of course, like I, I still doing the investment at the background when I'm doing the full-time job, but it is the time to start to really give my full attention and dedication to the business. 
And in terms of how I came to this HMO strategy is, is really to, I think the first step is to get educated. So, so find out who have done what you want to do and few steps ahead of you and basically learn from them and get, I get myself educated and I decided to do HMO. A lot of people, um, I would say a lot of people would mention that HMO is very saturated in the UK, but, but it's more about, to me, it's more about um, what you providing in the, to the market. You know, like uh, where, when we get into an area, what we do is we look at the area, what are the average rooms looks like, the conditions, okay? And then we do slightly better than the, than, than the average. And that's how we get a higher rent. We almost get a, we, we are more, all our rooms actually get the highest rent in the area. Um, so, so the idea is to look at what the market offering and do slightly better. And then you, your room will always be filled. Um, but in the area we're operating in, we're seeing there are lots of empty rooms. But if you look at the conditions of the room, they are not as great. So there, there's right. no way they can compete with us in terms of um, get, get a room filled. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's about what you're offering to the market. And for us, we, we love HMO because there's a high yield strategies, like, as I said um, earlier on, compared to like renting a single room. And also from risk perspective is that, think about if you're renting for one family, if the family is losing their job, they're not paying rent, for example, it's a COVID-19 situation. And then basically you're losing the income straight away if you're renting for one family, one tenant. But if you're in a HMO, let's say you have five rooms or 10 rooms, okay? And if one or two tenants leave or they lose their job, it won't happen to all tenants at the same time because they're individuals. Right. So from risk perspective, you 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 are kind of protected. Mm-hmm. So you're so because you're sharing that risk, you're diversifying the risk amongst more yes. people, yes. right? Yes. And so therefore, you're you're able to do that. And, and I just wanted to point out for those who just listened to that, he just shared a huge nugget, right? Because <laughs> in every business, you just need to have your business better than your competition. You need to be ahead of your competition. You just need mm-hmm. to be a few steps. It doesn't mean that you need to, you know, do something that's ginormously better. It just needs to be better than the rest. And, and that's going to allow you to fetch better rent. And that happens to universal properties all around the world is the same thing, right? If your property, you're able to buy property at, you know, perhaps not the best in, in, on the street, but you're mm-hmm. able to make it the best on the street. That's going to yeah. always provide some value. And yeah. I think that that's Absolutely. a very key nugget that I took from, you know, doing HMOs in the UK as well and, and identifying, you know, best property, best practices. And sometimes I will always have the occupancy. Now, just a, a little side thing, really side thing, uh-huh. you know, so with COVID, I know yeah. this is, you know, with COVID happening right now, yeah. has that really impacted the occupancy from that standpoint? I mean, this is now what, 45 days in? Yeah, well, in, in general, yes. I mean, like if you look at the whole UK market, definitely people are um, um, affected because they're, they're, they're losing their job or they're getting, getting furloughed. So it is affected in, in, in the whole UK, but it's depend on your tenant profile as well. So who are your tenants? They're white collar, blue collars, uh, housing benefits or are they so there's a lot of reasons uh, there's a lot of um, varieties kind of like variables and yes. also of course like your it, it kind of like a luck as well whether you, you your, your tenants got 
got affected by COVID-19. So right. in general, I would say yes, definitely there is an impact on the housing market. But in a sense that in, in the UK, the rental market is still really good. If you look at the past 10 or 20 years trend, the rental demand and the rent, the actual rent amount of rent is going up because there's a higher demand because house prices are getting more unaffordable. So there's more and more people renting. So in, in, in a sense, the rental market is great uh, in the UK, 100%. Right. And if you, if you look at our own portfolio, we are, we are very fortunate that all our tenants up to today, they are all paying the rent. And also they are, um, they are not affected by COVID-19 up to this point. I'm, I'm not saying that they won't, but, but fortunately, finger crossed, they haven't got any problem yet. But even though, like, uh, come back to the risk perspective, even though they're affected, uh, we, we already have system in place. We, we, we constantly talk to our letting agent to make sure that if they are losing their job, what is the next step? So we already have a plan in place even before they tell us that, oh, they're losing their job, they can't pay the rent. So, so it's about having a system in place and communicating with the tenants even before it happens. So that's really important at this time um, because it could happen to anyone. Right. And I think that's universally, uh, for those who are listening or have listened to multiple podcasts, you'll realize yeah. that serial entrepreneurs and successful real estate entrepreneurs have always mitigated that risk, even from selection of tenant. It's not really when situations happen. I mean, that's sort of like step two, but sure. really it's a selection, right? Like mm -hmm. for those, that's a second nugget I took from this, Aaron. <laughs> Right is is you're selecting your talent profile. You you mm -hmm. basically are designing the 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 house or the HMO specifically for our tenant type, and yeah. that way, because of that, you're able to select and actually choose the cream of the crop for mm -hmm. the for for the room rental, sure. which is your first risk mitigation, right? And then mm -hmm. the second is of course when things happen, how do you not react to it but proactively mm -hmm. approach them on on mm -hmm. on the situation and 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 look at how you can help them to mm -hmm. smooth over the situation as well. So that, that's very, very important. So moving that into risk, I mean, we've been basically talking about risk mitigation the whole time, but yeah. how, you know, first and foremost, do you consider property, investing in property risky? That is an absolutely very good question, Peter. I think it's a, it's a billion dollar question. <laughs> um, definitely, yes, it is ri risky. Uh, property is risky if you do not know what you're doing. It is not as risky if you know what you're doing. So as, as an as a asset class, if you think about in, 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 in as a broad asset class, we have stocks and share, we have a, a property, real estates, we have bonds, we have other stuff. So that is broad asset classes. So, so if you think about high risk, high return will be a stocks and share. And if, if you think about low risk, low return, there will be government bond and corporate bonds. Okay, so real estate is actually property sitting between the stock and share and bonds. So as a risk and return profile. So, so that's what I want to mention. So um, a few things I want to mention as well. So there are a lot of things happening when you go through uh, buying properties and actually execute the strategy. So for our strategy in particular, in, at the acquisition stage, so I'm talking about three stages, yeah? Acquisition, right. refurbishment, and refinance or sell. Okay, so if you think about acquisition stage, the way we mitigate the risk is that we buy to demand. So we always buy the place that uh, has the demand. So we need to make sure, 100% sure, there is demand before 
we even buy the property and we know how much we're going to rent out. We know there's a demand. We don't know. We, and then we know who is going to rent what is a tenant profile before we actually buy it. And we're buying at the right price is very important. Buying at the right price, not overpaying um, and, and know what to do in terms of adding value to the property. And, and then we also reassess, we also assess what is the end value would be mm-hmm. when we buy the property. And when appraising a deal, what we always do is stress test the deal. And you could stress test the end value. And one of the important variable is interest rates because that will affect your future cash flow. So I'll, I'll, I'll touch a bit more later when I talk about the risk um, uh, in, in particular, but, but that's what we do is stress testing. So when we move on to refurbishment, it's about choosing the right builder, someone you can work with, and also controlling the finance. That's super, super important. A lot of people I know personally have um, lost money because they work with the wrong builder or they're not controlling their finance good enough. So, so can you, can you share with us? Cause I, I want to pinpoint on this Sure. specifically have, have you, has there been builders or have there been stories that you've heard, you know, builders running away, just disappearing, never seen them again, or, you know, or they've done things wrong or collected yes. double or, you yes. know, called you and said, Hey, you know what? I've done this, but really haven't done the work, but expect yeah. payment. Yeah. A, a lot of time, a lot of time. That, that is very common. Like um, what we gathered is that, in property investing is quite normal to, to, um, to have some like um, problems with builders. It's very common problems about what problem you're facing. So even us, like in our first project, we actually um, had some um, challenges with the builders. But what we did right was we controlling the finance. That's why I'm saying that it's controlling mm-hmm. the finance. So you pay according to what they have done rather than overpaying. So a lot of people, what the, the mistakes is that they pay everything in advance and pay a large deposit. That's what they caught up. So on that, the first project, things actually went wrong at the end um, right. with that builder. But we managed to, I'm not saying that they're not the right builder. They're the right builder. It's just some, some of the things that we couldn't agree at the end. So we kind of like uh, have some issues uh, towards the end. But what we right. did right was we, we hold the payment um, so that there's nothing more for us to lose if they were to leave. So, so it's kind of like choosing the right builders who know what they're doing and deliver the, pro- uh, the projects as well as controlling the finance. So a lot of people, because like, um, if you have issue with the builders and, and if you have already paid the money, there's nothing much you can kind of like um, do. You can go to courts, but it takes you drain your business and your time. Right. So, so I mean, so, that, that's, that's, again, the risk, right? How you mitigate that risk is by making sure that you only process on stage payments, right? Yes. Or milestones or on things yes. that they have done. And that okay. allows you to be able to control the downside, right? And, yes. and of course, they have interest to continue to work rather mm-hmm. than to go, okay, you know what? I've already got my large payment. But for international investors, I, I yeah. caution you this. <laughs> I have seen this a few times and, you know, you chuckle, but yeah. it does happen because sometimes we don't, um, you know, we're overly trusting, right? We're overly trusting. I, I should, I should yeah. say that. Trust, and, but and, verify. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's very important to do that. 
and, and to, to mitigate that risk. And, and for Absolutely. all investors, it's one thing that we have to take, uh, which is those the steps that we have to, to take to in order yeah. for us to make sure our risk is mitigated and our downside is protected. Otherwise, you know, one project can set you back many projects worth of profit um, if, if that's not done. So how about the ref refinancing part or the sale part, Aaron? Yeah, refinancing sale part is um, kind of like towards the end of your refurbishment when you got tenants. So when you refinance, it's important to choose the right lender. So what we do is that we work with specialist broker. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not a high street bank. And a lot of the time you, you get a better deal with, uh, with a, a challenger bank or a smaller bank. And, and by doing that, uh, we, we, we got like a specialist broker to help us to find the right product. So it's choosing the right lender and push for the higher valuation because the higher valuation it is, you can refinance more money out from the deal. So, so what, we, what we do is that our, our business principle, um, to answer your question in the beginning, is that do what you can control Mm -hmm. and, and don't worry about the things that you cannot control, okay? The things that you cannot control is the market condition, like COVID-19, you cannot control, and things happen in the future, like interest rate, like in the future, you cannot control. So those are things that you cannot control. What we can do in terms of controlling is that we do whatever we can to provide information for the valuer to for, uh, for their visit uh, to the property. So now um, a lot of the time, the valuer might not see what you, what you have prepared. So they might say, oh, I'm not touching anything you're giving me, you're influencing my decision because they're, they're professional. And sometimes they do take on what you say. So take on what you think in terms of uh, valuation. But of course, you're going to um, do all the homework and provide evidence. So that's what we always do like uh, before the refinance i spent at least like the whole day like pull things together pictures before and after and floor plan and how much i spending it a like, comparable evidence and basically give them all the reason statistically data evidence pictures everything to support why i think the i i should be given higher valuation that's very important because you know, you having a hand in the outcome of the game is mm -hmm. very, very important. So you're, does that mean you're always there, essentially, when the, the, the valuation is being done? Um, I'm not always there, but I will make sure that my information would get there. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I might not be able to go there, but um, through like emails or someone I know in the area. So I always try to get my information, my pack, like I got a whole pack that deliver to them. Right. And that's how you can ensure that the highest valuation has been given. And that means you can actually value or refinance most of your value yeah. of the property out. And that, that way enhances your return, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. What about sale? I mean, is there anything you do to yeah. mitigate that risk? Um, sale is kind of different. Sale is more about um, getting the right buyer and... Actually, this is same as buying as well. What we found is that because property in the UK, um, it takes months to buy or sell a property because of a legal process, because of the things that have been happening at the backgrounds. So what we found is that the highest success rate, the kind of a low, 
one third of the sales in the UK will fall through. Right. What it means is that when you're beginning with the sales process, oh, sorry, when you, when, let's go back to the acquisition. It's, it's kind of the same thing, the same point, right. basically. Um, when, when you buy a property, you, um, uh, you need to pay for valuation, pay for value to come to value a property, and you might need to pay for broker fees. This already about £1,000 in without any legal contract. So anyone at any point can pull out up to the exchange point, the legally binded point of um, exchanging the property. So what we found is that we always, always try to find a way to speak to the vendor or the seller or, seller or the buyer. Directly? Directly, yeah. To build a relationship. You, know, you see, it's all about the relationship because sometimes it's not about um, uh, when things go wrong or things doesn't go into the right direction. At least you have a conversation. At least you know it in advance. At least you have a, ch- have a chat about it. Otherwise, you're basically standing behind of two solicitors and, and, and it's just no communications. So that's what we always, always try to do is, um, um, is to communicate with, with the buyer or the seller directly mm. if possible if not we'll, we'll find a way to do it um, not right. to cut out any agent but it's just to, is to make sure that we have constant communications and that that is part of the key part of our acquisition and, and selling so in terms of selling um i would say fi- finding the right buyer 100 percent. and we 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 now actually have a property on the market right before the lockdown of COVID-19. So what we have done is that we do a video tour. So we know that we cannot let people in to view the property because people can't be out of their house. So we do video tour. So it's back to our principles that do what we can do rather than like complaining the market of not selling. But what we can do is that do a video tour and try to push harder now. At least people see the video and see the property before they actually physically view the property up when the lockdown lifted. Right. So again, that all relates to, you know, how you can do everything in your control to Mm -hmm. enhance the return by reducing or mitigating that risk. And that also means that less time, more efficiency that allows you to do, you know, more of your deal stick. Right. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, to me, I, this, this is a big, big thing I wanted to point out only in the UK. (laughs) <laughs> do you not ever pay a deposit and, and you do a ton of work? It, it's, it's crazy. Man. I invest all over the world. Nowhere really? else do you actually do that, right? You mean so, like buying a property? Yeah. Or, or like, I mean, I take a deposit, right? Okay. And, okay. and a lot of times, like in Hong Kong, that's a, un, that's a non-refundable deposit, right. right? And that could be like 5% of the uh-huh. value of the property. Uh-huh. Right, and you write a check, and the only time that I get the check is the only time that that contract is binding of any sort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in the UK, when I first started buying that, I'm just like, <laughs> "You guys are crazy!" Right. It takes so long to close a get deal. So <laughs> everything you can do to re- to to make sure deals stick, because mm-hmm. if you make an offer on a deal at a certain price, and and you said you had a good deal, somebody mm-hmm. else can still come in exactly. and give a better price and steal exactly. the deal. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so that relationship, and I wanted to bring that up for a lot of the listeners because that's the uniqueness, the difference between every market and bring back mm-hmm. to what Aaron said, you have to understand the local 
environment. You have to be educated. You have to have a bit of a guide. And mm -hmm. that way it allows you to know the landscape of sure. the environment of the, of the real estate. Cause that's different from Canada, different from mm -hmm. the U S that's different from the UK, different from mm -hmm. Hong Kong, different in Australia. So I think all, you know, properties all the same, but there are slight changes to how things are and closing. I mean, yeah. like Aaron, typical closing to from, from you finding the property to completion. Uh huh. How, what's an average time? Can you share with us like average time to close? Yeah. Well, average in the UK about three months. Three months. From, from the time that you agree the price, we call it offer accepted, to the time that you exchange a contract which is legally binded, normally take about three months. From our experience, sometimes it take longer. Um, um, it could take six months. See, that yeah. goes, I'm, I'm bonkers <laughs> on that, right? So that's why, you know, some of the, uh, that, that, that gel, that glue, to make mm -hmm. sure deals stick is also yep. having the buyer or the seller actually acknowledge how serious you are. You understand their circumstance. You are standing yep. by those deals. And, and that's very important. That's credibility to also your, your brokers that are working for you, mm -hmm. right? To ensuring that, hey, you know, when Aaron says, you know, this is going to stick, it's going to stick. And that, that level yep. of credibility is also in increasing your efficiency, essentially. Absolutely. Can, can I mention one thing as well? Um, in in the UK, uh, what what's happening when you apply for bank lending is that bank will make sure that the valuation stack. So they are not going to lend more money if you if you're buying overpriced property. If right. they think the property is going to be worth less, you're going to get less lending. That's number one. Value kind of protected. Number right. two is that they're looking at the uh, rental versus the mortgage ratio. Mm -hmm. So if, 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 they, if they think, when they look at the market rents, if they think the rent is too, too low and too close to the mortgage payment, then they wouldn't lend. Okay? Right, so, right. So, so that's why in, in terms of risk perspective, you're protected in terms of like, you are, you're not supposed to pay more than the market price. Because the bank will tell you if you if you're gonna get a bank lending, like they, they won't lend you more. That's first one. Yes. And 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 that's a good thing as well. So that that might be a way to go back to the vendor to negotiate for the better, better price. That's what right. that, that's actually what exactly what we did in our first deal. And the second thing is the rental. A rental won't be a problem for for the HMO strategy because we are gonna double or triple the rent anyway. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So, you know. In the context of, of this, how, how do you see now you as an entrepreneur versus mm -hmm. you working with large institutions? Yeah. How has, you know, can you really quickly sum up for a lot of our viewers here, the difference between us as entrepreneurs evaluating risk and how mm -hmm. large organizations are evaluating risk? Is there resemblance? Is there similarities? Is there differences? And how are you adapting to that? Sure. Let, let, let me start from how big organization value risk and then we can kind of make it, make it relevant or how is it relevant to property investing. So, so if you, when I say big organization, I talk about banks, insurance companies and pension funds on the investment strategy. So it's more about, um, um, there's a lot of things you can measure risk, but let's talk about just the investment. So uh, as, as a cycle, as what, what we, there's a three step cycle. 
three stage. So let, let's take it like three stage process. So the first thing what they do is that they identify and measure risk. Mm. So they identify the key risk and measure it. Okay. First is know what are the risk and how big is the risk? Like what is the extent it goes? Like it could be big, it could be small, medium, you know? Right. That's the first step. The second step is how they can, how can we manage, mitigate, reduce, or maybe transfer risk away. So it's like risk management. Mm -hmm. So we know what are the risks and then we find a way to reduce it and managing it. Right. Okay. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it. And then third thing is monitor risk. Ongoing. You, you, yeah, ongoing. So you've you got a risk management framework, you, you, you manage the risk, but you want to see ongoing basis, is that working? What is the actual versus expected mm -hmm. um, in your model? So there's three step process for, for all the like big insurance companies and banks that that's what they do. Like the first step is to know what are the risks. Second is to managing, managing the risk and to monitor them. So yes. those are the key things. So in some of the techniques, it could be many techniques. Um, one is a simple one, is a stress test. So all the banks need to do stress tests. Um, when, when we do investment strategy as well, we do stress tests in like, what if Lehman brother brand cover again, like the, this scenario happen again. And what if um, 2008 recession were to happen again? Um, right. So we now may have a new stress test. What if COVID happened again? Uh, right. in the future so i hope so not man i hope not <laughs> yeah so so it's about stress testing um and then another thing you can do is that look at the most sensitive risk factor uh and and and, and measure it look deep into it for example interest rates would be a big one for banks and insurance companies because right. um because their liabilities are linked to interest uh, interest rate risk, right? Because change so, of sorry. So man. how do you? So how do you, as a real estate entrepreneur and mm -hmm. investor, how do you? Like you say, I mean, you can stress test to yeah. look at the risk. How do you manage that risk? Yeah, um, in terms of property investing, I, I feel like it's a lot easier um, because what what we're talking about here is financial risk. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in some of financial risk, the biggest one for real estate is the drop in value and, and the interest rates. Right. So there are two big variables. Yeah, two big variables. Well, uh, yeah, the, the drop in value will be a market risk, the economy risk. That will, mm -hmm. that will affect your drop in value in terms of house price or rental price. Well, rental in the UK, like, less likely the drop is likely to go up, but it's more of the housing value. That's one thing. The second thing is the interest rate because it's linked to your mortgage payment is your finance ongoing cost. So, so those are the financial risk. So the things that I mentioned just now, you remember talk about um, different things about acquisition, buy to demand, what was the right view. These are the different risk. Right. So they, are, they might not be financial, but, but you're managing it using different methods. Okay. Okay. And so with, you being a property investor, obviously mm -hmm. most of your strategy is, is yeah. more towards buying and holding and mm -hmm. collecting the yield, right? Yeah. So on an ongoing basis, how do you monitor right, that risk? Uh, in terms of um, 
the housing value drop or the you mean the the, the or the interest rate. So you you're you're fluctuative. Do you adjust rent? Do you do you go okay? You know, if the, as the properties certain areas pockets get more popular or less, mm -hmm. or you know, do you do you adjust as to okay? You know what? Perhaps it's time to sell this property. Do you do? You, how often do you do those maybe readjustments? I think is is um, is something that we definitely do like every year or so. Okay. To, to look at the position, um, and in the UK because you you can refinance. So when when it comes to refinance, you can look at the market again. What are the products available? You, can you reduce the finance cost going forward? So that would be the good time to review what are the other products out there where it's worth um, switching product to reduce your finance cost. Right. So in terms of um, market value drop, we, we don't really think too much of it like in, 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 in terms of investing for the longer term. Mm -hmm. So we're we focusing a lot of the cash flow um, uh, on an ongoing basis. In terms of the stress test, I would say now is the, now is the time actually when, when we assess deal, when we get into buying a deal, that's the, those are the things that we stress test, the end value. Right. So the, the end value pre-COVID-19 it won't be the same as post COVID-19. So if we were to buy the same property again, I would at least take 10 to 20% discount compared to the pre-COVID-19. Okay, so let me stop you there. Let me ask sure. you this. One very quick question I want to inject uh -huh. there. Absolutely. Isn't that going to reduce the amount of deals that you find then? Uh, I don't think so because there, there are less less people out there. Like if you think about um, the market is isn't great from from as a perception, most people are not into property right now because their fear of the market is going to crash, and it might it very likely will have adjustment. And and most especially amateur investor, they might be fearful, and that's the time that we come in. And also when. Um, the first time buyer, like people who are buying a house, they might pause. They might think that, oh, now is not a good time. I might wait for the market drop further before I buy. But right. those, those are the, the people who are still in the game are, are the professional property investors. I'm not saying that no, no one else is in the game, but, but there will be less people in, 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 in the market. Right, less crowded, and therefore you're finding better deals, and that yeah. also makes up for yeah. the, uh, the, the quantity, right? Sure. What we found is that um, in the past kind of like 10 years, there's, there's an upward trend in terms of housing prices in the UK going up. And then estate agents kind of like, you need to chase estate agents to, 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 for the deals. But now it's a deal where they're the other way around. They're going to call you and they're going to need you more than ever before because they need their commission. Right. That's a good feeling, right? That's a good yeah. feeling. You admit. Yeah, that's a good feeling. So, so Aaron, um, before we get to wrapping up this thing fairly mm -hmm. quick here, can you tell me a few things? I mean, I noticed on, on your, on your social media, you, you're, sure. you're, you've got a set of rich dad, poor dad books in terms of cash flow quadrants and all that. Uh -huh. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of how, you know, the investor and the business owner, I mean, you had a full-time job, you know, moving into an entrepreneur now as an investor as well. What's the correlation and how, how do you see that being an importance to you as a, as in developing your own business? I, I always, I always been an investor. I like investing. That's why I, I studied natural science. That's always something I liked and love to do. 
and I've always been an investor. So from investor perspective, it's more about uh, return on investment, uh, what you are investing in and, and are you responsible in terms of your investment. So, so it's pretty much like um, I see it as a passive kind of like role in terms of like being an investor. It's right. more about the return. So when, when we switch it over to business owner, it's, it's more about taking ownership of the business. So it's more about building the team and have a system in place and, and think about how you can scale and take more ownership of the projects, how we can make it more efficient and deliver the project. So that's, that's how I view um, the difference between investor and, and, the property, uh, and, and a business owner. But mm-hmm. in, in my property business, it's kind of a mixed, I, I am an investor as well as the business owner. Right. And you're getting the best of both, both worlds. And that, that's what I, that's what you love, right? I mean, that's why yeah. we get into real estate is because you do it once and you monitor it and it'll continue to produce results for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the key of, uh, of real estate. So mm-hmm. uh, last but not least, Aaron, I know that you, uh, you of course run a very successful networking group of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs in real estate and in around real estate, not just in real estate, but mm-hmm. could be a number of people that are interested, learning, uh, sure. veterans, speakers. I know that you, you started this from zero. Can yeah. you very quickly tell us a little bit about, you know, Square Mile, uh, your property meet? Um, Cause I think it's, it's amazing what you've been able to do. So very quickly, Tell us about it. So how, you know, is there people that come to London or in around London? Can they join this group? How, how does it all work? Absolutely. Like um, long story short, like it was started about two years ago. Um, it, it was started just one person. The idea was just to connect with like-minded investors in the city of London. That's it. And I found one person. That's how, that's how I started. And it has grown organically to around 400 people in the, in the community right now. So, um, we were in the beginning, we were meeting in a pub. There wasn't a, like a networking event, like, you know, that, that wasn't the idea. The idea is just like meeting the like-minded people. Right. And then we, we, we met in the pub, at, uh, we run it for about a year. And then I thought that that's, that's not going to grow into our knowledge, our, what we're going to do. Like, you know, we want to be doing, if we want to improve ourselves, we want to like scale, we have to have someone uh, bigger than us that pull us up right. and expand. So that's, that's why we, I started to take the lead to invite speakers and make it a proper networking event. And then at that time, it's like a scale to a, to a next stage. So we bring it outside our own closed group, open up to more people around the area. So um, the, the, the things that we do is the Square Mile Property Meet is all about community, education, connection, and implementation. Mm-hmm. So that's all about um, our property meet. And we cover a whole range of property strategies, anything you can think of from um, HMO, um, from commercial to residential, commercial, rent to rent, buying at auction, like anything you can think of in terms of um, property strategies, deal sourcing, raising capital, project delivery, how do you deliver your refurb and the things that I mentioned to you, like how do you manage the team to deliver mm-hmm. the project, the builders, and, and also the management as well. So we cover basically everything you can think of about property investing in the UK. And we have been meeting physically in the central London. But right. thanks to COVID-19, I see this as opportunities that we cannot run it physically in, in central London. But what we can do is that now that we, we are bringing this online, we are opening up to people outside London 
even beyond the UK as well, and people from your audience. So it's now global. It's all of a sudden, like COVID, thanks to COVID-19, we, we go global. So yeah. we are open to everyone who wants, want to learn a little bit about UK property. It's, it's not going to give you a deep dive of um, like a three-day like focus on one strategy, but it's just a one night, one or two hours to learn a little bit about um, UK property. And of right. course, if you want to find out more, happy to get in touch with me or, or Peter. Awesome. So Aaron, how can our audience get a hold of you? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be flocked with messages. Um, you know, I, Hey, I, I know how it happens. We get, <laughs> when we announce deals, it's a flock of deals. Here, here's the question. How, how can people get a hold of you, Aaron, and, and, and your property meet? Can you, can you share your information here? Sure. Um, if you, if you want to connect with me, um, my name is Aaron Kok, double A-R-O-N-K-O-K. And you can find me on uh, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. And if you want to know about Square Mile Property Meet, just type in Square Mile Property Meet on Facebook and then you'll find, you'll find our page. So Square is a square. Mile is like a mile, one mile, two miles. <laughs> so oh, awesome. the, the, the reason, I, the, you know the story of Square Mile, the name of Square Mile? No, I don't. Okay, let me tell you share. the story. Do, do share. Yeah, let me tell you the story. Um, if, if you look at um, central London, the okay. city of London, the financial district of central London, like, you know, the Gherkin and all the skyscrapers. Yeah. So before the Canary Wharf, so it's the first financial district and center historically is called square mile. Mm. So that is the biggest money. Like one of the biggest money you can find, like in, that's in the world, that's in the financial district square in mile. London square mile. So that's why we call square mile property because we, we're right in the middle financial district in central London. In fact, the first networking, proper networking event we run is up at the Gherkin. I know that was pretty amazing. I saw some pictures of that. It's wow. So that was pretty incredible. Um, so anyway, Aaron, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you sh spending the time sharing your knowledge with the audience. And it's very, um, you know, I find that UK property, I started investing in UK in 2016 mm -hmm. after they announced Brexit. You, mm -hmm. You're talking about the same thing. Crisis is an opportunity. And this mm -hmm. is one of those opportunities that rarely come in property, okay. in equities, in anything. Of course, why I wanted to introduce Aaron so badly is, or so importantly, is because he looks at risk. He looks at the analysis. He is a savvy investor that wants to build on fundamentals, right? Not on just the emotions. And, and when I first met Aaron, it was, it was actually pretty incredible because I've heard so much about him. And when I first met him, you know, when we sat down for dinner, it was like, wow, he's, he's full of knowledge. He's also very analytical. He analyzes a lot of this. And that's what you want as investors not only as investors but actual doers you don't want to put mm -hmm. your money with people who are just like you know gonna spin 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 the wheel and see what rolls out right sure. and that's why i was so impressive when i met aaron I, I encourage you guys to get in contact with him you want to learn more about uk property you want to learn more about how to invest and reduce your risk i've talked about level three risk and level five return how do we able to do that and i think aaron is amazing at evaluating some of those things so Again, Aaron, thank you for joining us and uh, on this podcast. Is there any final words of wisdom for us? <laughs> there's this final quote I'd like to end is that, um, um, that there's so much thing um, to in, in property investing. Like um, you basically you can't do it all. 
So right. I'd like to add one quote is African, African uh, proverbs is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go to the top, do it with me. <laughs> yeah, do it with people. Do it with us. Do it with us. So, Absolutely. guys, thank you very much. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for joining us on Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. And I look forward to sharing more episodes with you. Follow us. Follow Aaron. Give us a five star and continue to follow our journey as we, you know, we create wealth globally. So thank you. Have a great day, guys. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Aaron.